I am so grateful for the guests that we have with us this morning because um, they are one of our ministry partners that have been around since the day that I became the lead pastor of our church. And so I was actually just talking with Connor. He's like, I so appreciate hearing the stories of our church because as a new person, um, it's just good to kind of hear who we are and how we got to where we are. And he's a new person that has been here three years. So you can leave visitor parking now, Connor. You're here. You're with us. But some of you are, are newer, and uh, that's just the nature of our church and our city. So um, there is a story to be told. And I also think um, in the, the series that we're in, you all should have gotten a bulletin that just states it. Every, again, every week we're talking about the gospel on the ground, the simple concept that what we talk about in the sanctuary, we get the word and the truth of God's love and his power to save the gospel good news message. But how do we, how do we take it? How do we live it? And so we've been loving the book of James, showing us ways to do that. But today we're going to take a gospel on the ground field trip. If, if, if you can get your head around the concept, um, man, it would be amazing if we could all go on a real field trip. The logistics of that, not impossible. Uh, we could someday as a church just all pick up and go somewhere. But today, the field trip is coming to us. Um, and the field trip is in the, in the version of a ministry that we've been partnering with, like I said, for six years now. Their name is San Francisco City Impact. And the, it is like six years to the day. As long as I've been a pastor, we've been partnered with them. Um, so the story, the quick story to get you to uh, where we're at this morning. About six years ago, we had a girl in our youth group. Her name was Kate. And she just had it on her heart to live out the gospel, to take the faith that God had given her for her life with God and to share it. And so she started just looking everywhere she could. How can I be used by God? Boise, Idaho, Calvary Chapel, Boise. And she started like scouring the internet for opportunities to like serve. And somehow, by God's sovereignty, she finds this ministry in San Francisco and they're all about bringing the gospel to the least of these, the tenderloin district, the poorest of the poor, the like extreme living conditions. And she's like, I want to do that. And so she reached out to them and they welcomed her in. And she was so blown away by what they're doing on the front lines for the gospel to evangelize the lost and to care for the needy that she came back and she's like, we have to partner with them. And she talk them into coming to visit us. And it was the first weekend that I was the pastor. It was like the, the way that it all lined up. And I shared with first service, I was so grateful that the very first introduction I had into leading our church wasn't even about our church. It was about how God is on the move in ways that go so far beyond our little circle. And it, it did something to, it, I was just so grateful that in my, you know, introduction to leading a church, the very first message that I believe the Lord said was, I got this. I'm doing things you don't even know about. I've got people around the world that are serving me. Your job is just to trust me and to love me. And so um, that came in the form of this ministry coming and saying, hey, we're just trying to love people in San Francisco. So we've been partnering with them. They've come in years that they can, invited back in. And we have now been sending teams to San Francisco to partner with them and to see what they're doing in a way to help us understand how we could serve our city. So it's been amazing. I know many of you have seen their work in San Francisco, and I know many of you probably didn't know that story. So um, I'm happy to let you know who we are as a church in ways that go beyond our city. So all of that to say, you guys now get to hear stories of what they're up to in San Francisco and how the Lord called them into this ministry. And I want to have you help me welcome up 
Roger Huang, who you will hear about, the Lord used to, to start this ministry. And he's, he's got a whole team of people with him. So welcome. Thank you for being with us, Roger. Thank you for bringing your team. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand it over to, to Roger and his team. God, thank you for the gospel, the good news, that you love us apart from anything that we've done. You've saved us by your grace. You've made us new creations and ministers in the process of reconciliation. So thank you that we see that in real life in this ministry. Thank you for Roger and the life that you have called him to live for your namesake and all that he's done to serve you in serving this city. And we just thank you for his team and for the ways that you're going to encourage us through them. So may we be united in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Roger, for being here. Welcome. Well, before I share with you, I have a young lady here with me uh, to talk about our special services department coming out of Washington State. Thank you. Hi. Yeah, like Pastor Roger said, um, I am part of the specialized services department at City Impact. My name's Hannah. I'm the entire department, so <laughs> it's just me. Um, so before I get into kind of sharing a little bit about um, my work and um, some stories about some of my kids, I want to start by just explaining maybe a little bit about what the Tenderloin is. Um, the Tenderloin is a very small neighborhood in San Francisco, and it is one square mile. In this one square mile, we have the highest concentration of crime, poverty, addiction, homelessness, you name it. We've, we've got it in our one square mile. Um, in addition to all of that, the Tenderloin, this one square mile, also has the highest concentration of families. So as we look at this stark difference, it, it's really heartbreaking to see that we have so many families, so many kids who are, are seeing crime and addiction, prostitutes, every day. So that's why we are in this place. This is why Pastor Roger started this ministry so long ago. His heart has always been for the kids. So what do we do? How do we even, where do we even begin to start um, this ministry and to make a difference? Our first thing that we do is we have a school, which is where I work. Um, our school has 101 students right now, um, kindergarten through eighth grade. And the beauty of this is it's a private school. So in addition to teaching reading and math, we also get to share the gospel with these kids and get to really invest in their lives. Yeah. Amen. Um, again, with our kids, we have our City Kids program. So that is an after-school program where kids um, in our school can go after school, but also kids in other schools in the area can come and, again, be witnessed to, be invested in, and mentored. And we also have a middle school and kind of high school youth group as well through City Kids. We also have a rescue mission. We will provide groceries and a sit-down meal um, to people in the community who are often houseless. And again, just invest. Every ministry that we have is meeting a tangible need, but also a spiritual need. We want to meet people's souls and, and give them a piece of, of Jesus in addition to the food we serve or the lessons we teach. We also have Adopt a Building, where we go into low-income housing and provide meals. We have a health clinic. We have a thrift store that provides therapy for students and probably other things that I'm forgetting. I can never remember all of them. So we do a lot. And 
I'd like to share now one very small story um, that just really impacted me. So this goes back a couple months. Last October, we had our city kids harvest party. So we had all our kids come in their little Halloween costumes, and we had games and prizes, and I was the MC, so I don't know if you can tell. I really like talking. <laughs> um, so I was in charge of holding the mic the whole time and being exciting. So I would have kids come up to me, and they're like, Miss V, that's what my students call me. Miss V, can we do karaoke? Can you give us the mic and we can do karaoke? I said, guys, I don't think so. Like, I have to like, tell people where the games are, give instructions. I said, at the end, we will do karaoke, I promise. So the end of the party comes and they come back up. They're like, you said we could do karaoke. I said, sure, yes, that is what I said. Um, so we have a third, this is a third grader and a fourth grader who are really passionate about karaoke. And this third grader is a student that I work with pretty much every day. She can't read, can't write, is very behind in math, just needs a lot of academic intervention. And the fourth grader moved to the United States recently, is an English language learner, and I also see her pretty frequently and am in the process of teaching her English. So these are two students who I work very closely with and they come up, they're ready for karaoke. They can pick any song in the world, any song. I give them completely free reign to an extent. And they chose to sing for everyone at the harvest party, Raise a Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, and as I'm sitting in the audience here watching this third grader and fourth grader singing out of any song, Raise a Hallelujah, that they chose in that moment, rather than sing, you know, a fun kid's song or something, they chose to worship. That's incredible. Like, that's, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, and I think that really is the beauty of this ministry is that we get to be a, a school, we get to, you know, have all these different ministries and provide all these needs, but we also get to share the gospel with these kids who are seeing so much brokenness. We get to give hope and purpose to these kids' lives in just ways that are, are shaping our staff too. Like seeing that, seeing these kids worship is shaping my faith and shaping the faith of so many other people. And to have all the people also who are at the harvest party just get to experience these kids worshiping as well. It's just such a special place and such a special ministry that we all get to be a part of. Um, so yeah, thank you for letting me share a little bit about my department and, and what I do in a little story. And now I'd like to invite up Pastor Roger who started this whole ministry and have him share as well. Wow, it's amazing these young People right there sitting in the front row, 30-some years younger than me, could be a little more. <laughs> but the gifting, you know, they're able to speak and they are so comfortable. I've never seen a speaker like her just go like, hi, how are you guys doing? <clears throat> well, coming from uh, Matthew chapter 20, 28, it reads that uh, he did not come to be served by others but to be a servant himself and to give his life as a ransom for many. Those who call themselves his disciples 
are to follow his example of humility and service to others. We're not anyone special. My wife and I, um, I, I was born and raised in Taipei, came to SF. 1970, I was 15. My wife came from southern France and arrived in the city of San Francisco at age 11. And we met somewhere on the sidewalk in front of a grocery store. She gave me her number. I called her within an hour, got her address within two hours, show up at her front door, and took her out right there and then. Life is short. Sometimes you got to move fast. <laughs> we didn't know anything about Christianity. When I hear um, the conversation with these young ladies and young men that, um, that are here with me, it's amazing. You know, I, I didn't even know anything about God until the age 27. Both my wife and I came to know the Lord through a TV evangelist. We didn't even have a church. We didn't, we didn't even know what church was. But through that TV evangelist, we became uh, born again. And she was sold out for Jesus. I mean, like instantly. And uh, I was just a Sunday Christian from 10 to 12, two hours. And I was working in the hotel industry. I was an auditor. You know, the lifestyle in the hotel could be messy. I was not committed. I was not committed to God. I was not committed to the family. I was just a drifter. You know, I didn't have a mentor. You have Pastor Tucker. You have other pastors. And you have church. You have elders. You have deacons. You have those that proclaim, proclaim to be the, the word, the teacher of the word. And so you have a very good environment that you can grow up with. I think we didn't have anybody. So my wife, because usually when... A woman gets saved, they grow rapidly in the Lord. So because of that, she made herself to be the teacher over my life. Yeah, and she became the spiritual teacher. So then we began to pray. We were not very satisfied with the life that we had, just working two jobs, three jobs, and things like that. Then we pray to God and uh, with sincerity that he will put us on the journey with him. And uh, within about a year and a half to two years later, as I got stuck in this area called the Tenderloin, I saw the kid got beat up. And within about 20 to 30 minutes of that time, my entire life transformed. Because when I got home, God spoke to me. I was just a brand new Christian. And God said, if that was your son, what would you do? And I said, well, I would have I jumped out of my car to rescue him. He said, for me, they're all the same. So when I went home, I told my wife about the incident. We prayed. We cried. And the next day, we went to the Tenderloin with 50 sandwiches. And that was 36 years ago. We never stopped. So fast forward. But I have never been in a, a district, a community, or a place that is so desolated, broken, chaotic, 
It's just messy. Everywhere you look, the conditions on the streets, the broken wives, uh, just everything. And I've never seen anything like that. So the first thing is that we got saved. We went there. But I just want to tell people about Jesus. So we'll go, we'll go into the high-rise buildings, and we'll knock on the doors of these apartment buildings, and we'll pray with them right at the doorway. And, and we'd, we would do that very often. But it didn't seem right. Even though we pray with them, we talk to them about Jesus. And uh, until about two years later, I was sitting in the storefront. We had a little storefront building. I was sitting in there. I was looking outside the window, uh, looking through the window, looking at the condition of this community. I was like, God, I just don't think that this is for me. I don't even, I don't even understand these people. I don't understand homeless population. I don't understand Southeast Asian. I don't understand Hispanic. I, I don't know anything. So I was sitting there, very depressed, and, you know, God, he spoke to me, just a few words. He said, um, why don't you assimilate into their lifestyle? And um, right there and then I began to think what God was saying, and he was right. I didn't want to shake hands with him. They invited me into their apartment to have lunch and dinner. I refused. They wanted to walk with me to different places, and I didn't want to be with them. I just wanted to pray with them and get them saved and go back to my environment. And it was at that moment, I didn't want to hug them. It was at that moment I broke down and I cried. I said to myself, wow. You are so prejudiced. You have this self-righteousness. It's unbelievable. I broke down. I repented before God for days. And when God gave me a brand new heart. And that's when the Tenderloin ministry changed. Because the ministry is not in the name. The ministry is not in the church the ministry is not even the pastors. The ministry is in your heart. If you have a change of heart, then your eyes will be opened up. Then you can do anything. So the first thing I did is that I began, I wept for the city of San Francisco. Jesus wept, remember, because he saw the brokenness. I wept, and I said, what should I do? Well, I did a prayer walk all by myself around the city seven times. I asked for God's grace. I asked for God's mercy, and I repented on behalf of San Francisco. It's a long walk, guys. It's a long walk. You go from the ferry building past AT&T uh, ballpark all the way down to Mission District, come across to the zoo, past the Golden Gate Bridge, 
down by the fisherman's wharf and back to the ferry building, 28 miles, seven times. And after that, my heart melted. And I began to pray for the people in the tenderloin. But now, it's no longer just a prayer. I go in to their homes. I sit on the sofa. And we hold hands and we pray. I remember this family invited me in. So would you come in and sit on our sofa? Well, it's a different kind of sofa. These are like really old sofa. We sat down. We're holding hands. There were mice running across my shoes. And I was like, I have to love him. But I was scared to death. That's how we reach people. We have to reach them in that way. Let me quickly tell you a story. We have a parking lot. So we park our vehicles not, not many, you know, uh, maybe 15 maximum. And then we have this high-rise building all around. And, uh, and one of my staff came to me and said, you know, there's a lady up in this hotel. She loves to throw all her trash out the window on top of our vehicles. We don't know what to do with her. She thinks like that is actually very easy, but they always come to me. Do I look like a janitor? Do I look like a supervisor? So I said, what have you guys done? They said, nothing. We just don't know what to do. These are brilliant people that I have, right? I said, great, no problem. Let me go check it out. I love that. So I'm walking through the front desk, and then I found my way all the way up to the fifth floor. And I, can, I could tell that was the apartment. So the door was a little bit open. I could see in through that crack, and uh, there was a lady sitting in there. So I knock on the door. I said, hey, lady, may I talk to, talk to you? So she opened the door about halfway. The room was filled with stuff. Like, I mean, amazing, right, how much stuff it can put into one room. I said, you know, uh, you've been throwing stuff out the window on top of our cars, and we have to clean them. And um, you think you can stop? She said, well, I, I can't hear you too well. I'm going to come out and talk to you. But, uh, but I have a little pet. And so if you don't mind, can I bring the pet with me? I said, oh, that's fine. So she comes out with a rat. White rat with a pink eyes. Now, I'm like, there's a long hallway. I'm like, lady, stop. <laughs> so I'm all the way back, about 20 feet. I said, hold that rat, please. I'm just going to talk to you. And I said, can you stop? She's going, well, this is all I have. I don't know what you want me to do, you know. All of a sudden, the spirit of God said to me, what are you trying to do? You're trying to supervise everybody? Do you see the need? This is all she has, a rat in her hands and the room filled with the stuff. What are you going to do? It's right there and then. You have to be quick to the spirit. You can't just go, let me go home and pray about it. No, right there I say, you know what? I'll tell you what. Tomorrow, are you free tomorrow? She said, I'm free. I'm free every day. I said, tomorrow I'm going to come here with three of my friends. And we're going to come in, we're going to clean out everything and give you brand new furniture. 
we'll clean it all out. And you have a good, good environment. She goes, that would be so great. I said, under one condition, you and the rat had to be out of here for at least four hours. She said, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. So we came back the next day. Guess what? She was gone, and she took the rat with her. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we'll clean it all out. We'll put good stuff in there. And that was the end of that testimony. She was grateful and thankful. We have had stories like that all the time. But we don't do it on the pulpit. We don't do it in the prayer room. We don't do it in our own comfort zone. We go out of our comfort zone and to make sure that we hear their heartbeat. And we'll do everything we can to make sure not only do they know Jesus, but we make their lives a lot easier and better. We have the resources. We can do it. What's a microwave? 35 bucks, right? We can do it, and you can do it. Just remember this, that ministry is in your heart. God bless you. I'm going to have Emma come up and talk about the sponsorship. Yes, thank you, Pastor Roger, for sharing your stories. He has so many stories. I feel like I'm always hearing new ones. Um, always funny. <laughs> and, um, yeah, today I get to share with you a little bit more about our programs for children and youth at City Impact. Um, I think we can all agree that uh, the formation of a child sets them on the trajectory for the rest of their life. And so at City Impact, we really care to uh, pour into kids when they're young, um, give them tools for success. And as you heard Pastor Rogers say 36 years ago, um, God initially moved his heart uh, to serve in the Tenderloin for the children um, when he saw that child getting beaten up. Um, and God convicted his heart and said, I want you to do something about it. And so we're still here today uh, because of that original conviction. And um, it's really beautiful to get to be a part of that. The first um, program that Pastor Roger and his wife Maite started to reach children in the Tenderloin was uh, Super Saturday Events, which were a VBS-style program. They would welcome kids um, into spaces to learn about Jesus, have some fun, play some games. Um, and today, we actually still do Super Saturday we um, do those events in addition to much, much more. So Hannah mentioned some of our other youth programs and our school, uh, City Academy, which is a kindergarten through eighth grade school. Uh, and so we do a lot, um, as she mentioned, and we really uh, recognize the value of pouring into children in the Tenderloin and elsewhere. Today, I want to share one specific story uh, about a young man who attended SFCA and whose life was greatly impacted by his time there. His name is Ivan, and he attended City Academy uh, from third to eighth grade. Ivan graduated high school in 2016, and he went on to go to college. He got a degree in journalism and a minor in English, 
and he has big hopes for his life to become a sports journalist and have a family of his own. When Ivan was in school, including at SFCA, he struggled with math, and when he got to college, he continued to have that weak point, Uh, and so he started to make daily sacrifices by going to tutoring, spending a lot of time working on his skills in order to improve and get his degree. And Ivan, as I mentioned, successfully got his degree. And this determination that he showed later in life, he mentioned SFCA helped him um, grow those skills. Ivan said that um, SFCA taught him to become disciplined in the classroom as well as to become a team player and Ivan is a very uh, driven person and has always had that perseverance in him. And so to get to grow that in our school was a privilege. Ivan said that his favorite part of attending SFCA when he was a student was listening to the word of God on a daily basis and building relationships with the staff and friends that he still considers family to this day. So we love Ivan. Ivan actually came back during the pandemic to serve on staff for a couple months. Uh, So I got to know him and he continues to have high hopes for the future and uh, is excited to continue chasing his goals in journalism. So we praise God that Ivan is one of many students who have attended our school um, and become a young adult who knows that he is capable of great things. And for the 101 students that currently attend SSCA, we are also instilling that in, in them that God has great things in store for them, that they are capable, and that they are loved. Our school and our other youth programs continue to exist and impact lives because of support from many people who agree that these children are worth investing in. And these child, or sorry, these people I'm referring to are child sponsors. Uh, child sponsors give $38 a month to our organization so that we can keep providing excellent programs for kids. There are actually already some child sponsors who attend Calvary Boise, and we want to say thank you to you, uh, and also present all of you the opportunity to sponsor a child today, if you are feeling called to do that. We had 29 new students join our school this last year, one of which is Kelly here. I have her picture. She is 11 years old, and she's in sixth grade uh, with our teacher, Miss Paulina. And we have more students just like Kelly coming in the fall, so we have lots of need uh, for more sponsors. We also have plans to hire more specialty staff for our school, like counselors and speech therapists, to give kids tools to succeed. And your sponsorships will help us continue to grow our school, hire more staff, accept more students, and keep tuition costs low for families so they can afford uh, education in the inner city. So, uh, as I mentioned, we want to present that opportunity to you today. If you'd like to invest in our kids by becoming a child sponsor, we want to invite you to do that. So, if you are interested, I'll actually ask you to raise your hand now. Uh, We're hoping to get 40 sponsors today at Calvary. So if you're interested, could you raise your hand? Um, Awesome. Okay, we see someone over here. Amazing. Thank you, guys. We appreciate your generosity. We are blessed by it. Can we give people a round of applause for that? Yeah. 
Yes, we, we are blessed to be here and to get to share our need um, and also just um, share stories of encouragement of what God is doing. So thank you for responding to that. Uh, if you do want to find out more information or um, if you do want to sponsor a child, you can come see us at the table in the Welcome Center. We have more information and all of our supplies out there. And we also have Pastor Rogers' book, uh, one of two. Uh, it's called Breaking Through, and we have a couple copies of those if you want to come grab a free copy of that. So thank you again for having us out here. Uh, we love sharing testimonies of what God is doing, um, and I would love to close our time together in prayer. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for this lovely congregation of people who you have brought together here in Boise to serve this area and also beyond. And uh, we thank you, Jesus, for your provision for each of us and your provision for each child, each family, each person in the Tenderloin District in San Francisco. We pray for continued provision, for continued workers to come uh, who are willing to share the gospel with these people uh, and provide for their needs. And also just, as Pastor Roger mentioned, just to see them and let them know that they are worthy and they are loved. And so we pray for those people, and we pray for um, the rest of this day in this church here. Um, we pray all this in your name. Amen. <laughs>